We're back. We hear the term, how do I get the best out of my people? Well, we should think about it a little different way. We should think about it as how do I help my people show up as the best version of themselves? It's not for me, it's for them. I'm Patrick Pacheco, and you're listening to season four of In Good Companies from Cadence Bank, the podcast where we have your best interest at heart. Because at Cadence, we're much more than a provider of financial services. We're a lifetime advocate driven by your success. Here's a stat for you. According to Gallup, less than one in four U.S. employees feel strongly that their employer cares about their well-being. That's the lowest it's been in almost a decade. But here's the flip side. When workers do feel their employers care about them, their work gets better, much better. These teams have higher customer engagement, profitability, and productivity, as well as lower turnover and fewer safety incidents. So, how do you make your employees feel valued and valuable? Well, this will be a short episode, because our guest has a miracle solution that's quick, easy, and free. I hope you're not hoping for one single silver bullet answer, because I don't have it Uh. for you. Nobody ever has a silver bullet. I keep asking for it and nobody has it. So maybe there's no easy answer. But if there was, our guest would know. That voice you're hearing belongs to David Mead. He's a coach, speaker, and leadership builder. For a decade, he was the right-hand man to Simon Sinek, best-selling author of Start With Why, turning Simon's book and speeches into practical curriculum. But David's an incredible thinker in his own right. Together, they co-authored the bestseller Find Your Why, and toured the world advising over 300 companies across 21 countries, companies like Disney, Apple, and LinkedIn. Now, he's taking what he's learned and embarking on a new journey. The main thing that I focus on is how to build trust and connection on teams to figure out how do we make organizations and teams a place where that trust and connection can be felt, where that contributes positively to, you know, the performance that we have, the the way that we feel about our jobs, and ultimately spills out over beyond work to how we show up as parents and siblings and sons and daughters and all the things that we do outside of work as well. David's been exploring these questions for a long time. Yeah. So this all started for me back when I wasn't even thinking about it. So I was 17 years old. I just graduated from high school. And just for context, this is really where, when I go back and think about where did all this this passion that I have for trust and connection, where did it start? Where did it come from? Was at this part-time job that I had. And it makes, kind of makes no sense when you think about it. So I had to drive 30 minutes from my house to get there. I had to park in a parking garage that wasn't even next to the building. This was downtown, like on Main Street. So I had to park in a parking garage, walk through a creepy alley, dodging, you know, puddles of dirty water all over the place. I worked, you know, part-time, minimum wage, making bagel sandwiches for people. This is not a dream job. But it is, despite all of those things, the best job I have ever had. And the reason is not because of the circumstances or the pay or any of those things. It's because of the, 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 the culture that we had there. It's because of Ben, the guy who ran the shop. He, he was generally pretty quiet, stayed to himself. When there was something that needed to be fixed, he held us accountable. But we could tell just because of the way he showed up that he wasn't just checking off a list on his clipboard and, you know, coming down on us for not doing the things that he wanted us to do. It's because he genuinely believed that we all had greatness inside of us. And that sounds so ridiculous for a part-time bagel shop job, right? But this is something I found out later from him that that's what drove everything that he did. He saw the potential in people. He saw who they could become and he saw it as his job to pull 
that greatness out of him. And that required sometimes some tough conversations and some accountability. But it was because of that we could tell he genuinely cared about who we were. And because of that, we felt free to care for each other. And we were so close-knit and tight as a team, we would hang out outside of work regularly. We were friends with each other, and we had that bond. And that's really where it started for me. After touring the world with Simon Sinek, these issues felt more relevant than ever. When I made the decision to go on my own and say, okay, what do I care about? What do I want to talk about? What is the message that I want to bring? I, I sort of naturally went back to my own experience and thinking about the companies and the jobs where I had thrived and those where I hadn't. And what I found was that the places that I had done really well, where I felt that sense of belonging, where there was a strong culture, where I trusted my leaders, where we worked well together, all those places had trust and human connection in common. And all the places where I didn't do well and I couldn't wait for Friday and I didn't want to go back on Monday and all those negative things that we often associate with work, in those places, that trust and connection was missing. So you've been trying to bring humanity back to the workplace for, what, 13 years or so. It sounds like you've been wrestling with issues of trust and connection maybe even longer than that. Why aren't workplaces more human? Business is business. Like the point is to grow, to make more money and to see results, which is fine. That's great. But I think we over-rotate on that and we don't realize that when we put the focus on the numbers, which are inanimate, have no soul, and we neglect the people in order to get the numbers, we can beat people over the head to get the numbers for a while, but it's not sustainable. It doesn't last. But I think it's because we have sort of this blanket of expectation and numbers and targets and metrics and all these things that sort of overshadow us at work that our focus is put in a place other than humanity. And so when we focus on those things, yes, we might get the results, but we leave feeling unfulfilled. We leave feeling a lack of trust. We leave feeling less connected to the people because we're putting our focus on something other than human beings. I think one of the other things that often gets in the way is that when a leader or a team or an organization doesn't have a clear sense of purpose or vision, then when something happens, it's about boss versus employee. And so I thought, okay, so wh what do we do? How do we match the tactical hard skills with the emotional human skills? Because when you put those two things together, you become a leader that is not only capable and competent, but incredibly trustworthy. And you command the loyalty and the discretionary effort of the people that you lead. So I, that's my mission, is not to get rid of this or forget about the hard skills, but how do I elevate the human skills in an organization? And I hate it when people call them soft skills because they are not soft. They are human, and they have an absolute direct effect on the results, the finances, the numbers, the metrics that we're all going after. So they are not soft at all. The soft issues are always the hardest issues. And that's why the soft issues, yeah. <laughs> totally, I love that. What are the problems that are created when you have organizations and managers that, that don't embrace the humanity aspect? What are the primary problems you see start developing and how do they kind of manifest themselves? The biggest thing I think is rather than connection, you get isolation. As human beings, instinctively, when we don't feel that other people are watching out for us, we will watch out for ourselves. And so the way that that manifests is a lack of innovation. Because if I'm watching out for myself and I'm protecting my job and I'm protecting my knowledge and I'm protecting the things that I have, I am not going to come up with an or share an idea that might not work. I'm not going to go there. Transparent communication and feedback go away 
because I'm not going to challenge a leader or a, a team member if they're suggesting a strategy or a path forward that I don't think is the best way to go. I am not going to give you that feedback because that is dangerous for me. I am not going to ask for help. I'm not going to tell you that I'm struggling because that looks bad for me. And so I will try to do everything on my own. So collaboration goes down. That's another sign of, of when humanity is not present. When all of those things start to happen, I keep to myself, I'm working by myself, I'm not giving feedback, I'm not sharing new ideas, performance is going to suffer because I'm trying to do everything by myself. So performance goes down. So there's another indicator that humanity does not exist in an organization. And when all of those things are happening and I go home at the end of the day feeling disconnected, deflated, in trouble because I'm not performing to the level that my manager wants me to perform, what do you think that's going to do to my well-being? Right? Emotionally, I'm going to feel depressed, anxious. I'm not going to go to work. What do you think that does for my sleep? Do you think I'm motivated to exercise? No, I'm going to go home. I'm going to, on my way home, grab a pizza, sit on the couch and watch Netflix until I pass out. <laughs> so our physical and mental well-being goes down the tubes as well because all these things are happening at work. So watching Netflix and eating pizza to pass out isn't a good thing? Okay, okay. <laughs> I, need to write, I need to write that one down. I, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> As he traveled the world, David refined his ideas of what makes a great leader. And in doing so, he made a surprising discovery. Thinking about leaders that I had, like Brad at the bagel shop, right? And all of the other you know, leaders that I've had that have had a positive impact on me that I look back and I think I would go work for that person again. I wrote down all of the attributes or the traits that those people had in common, right? And I came up with a, a list of, you know, 10, 12 traits that they all shared. And kind of at the same, same time, but not intentionally, I, I started running an exercise with every single group that I was speaking to for the last probably seven or eight years. I've asked, I've started every presentation with a version of this question or thought is, think of the greatest leader you have ever followed. And in one word, you can answer multiple times, but with single word answers, write down the traits or the characteristics that that person had. It doesn't matter the country, it doesn't matter the industry, it doesn't matter the demographic, the age group, nothing changes. The answers are always exactly the same and they match up very nicely with the best leaders that I had ever followed. And so I thought, okay, so that's not coincidence. And by the way, no time ever was strategic thinker at the top of the list, ever. Does that mean that strategic thinking is not important? No, of course it is. And, you know, being able to present well and being able to read a P&L and like all those things are important, obviously, in the, in the management and the operation of a business, right? But the things that we think of when we think of the greatest leaders we have ever followed, the things that make us walk through brick walls for them are human characteristics. They were humble. They listened to me. They were empathetic. They were authentic. They genuinely cared about me. And I came down to three traits that encapsulate all of the other ones. And those are the traits of honesty, humility, and humanity. At Cadence Bank, relationships define us. That's why we make a point of getting to know you, because it helps us serve you better. Visit cadencebank.com to learn more. Cadence Bank, member FDIC. Honesty, humility, humanity. These are the qualities that great leaders share. They make workplaces feel safe and inspire employees to be their best selves. But what do these words really mean? And why are they so important? So I, I tend to go a little bit deeper in my definitions than perhaps you'll find in the dictionary. So honesty is really about do our actions and our words align with what we tell people we stand for? 
So if as a leader, I'm talking about the company values or the vision, or personally, if I'm telling people that this is who I am and this is my character and this is what I stand for, and my actions don't match that, then there's that dissonance. Another part of that definition, though, is when we veer off course, because we will, because we're imperfect humans, are we willing to do the hard work to bring things back into alignment? So that's really what honesty is about. I like to give everyday simple examples to show just how often these things come up. And sometimes we don't even realize that these are issues of honesty, humility, and humanity. About three and a half years ago, I was sitting in this very chair working on this exact content that we're talking about. And I looked out my window to see my, my garden hose being pulled across the street to the house that was being built just, just across the way from me. I quickly realized that it was probably the plumber who was testing his system for leaks. It was still in foundation stages and I happened to be the closest water source. So he came and, and borrowed my hose, which is fine. But I, I was just, I was annoyed that he hadn't asked me if he could use it. So I, I walked outside and kind of in a huff, I went to the end of the street and I yelled across the street to him and I said, Hey, it's okay for you to use my hose, but dude, like ask me first, at least. And I turned around, didn't even wait for him to say anything in response. And he actually called back to me and he was like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I, I knocked on the door, but nobody answered. So I looked back over my shoulder and in a very, very snarky tone, I said, well, we do have a doorbell. And I felt very good about gotcha. myself, right? For about, <laughs> yeah, man, showed you. So I got back to my desk and I thought, what am I doing? Like, I'm literally working on content to help people build more trust and connection and be more human. And I just treated this guy in a horrible, horrible way. So I stood in it for a few minutes and a little while later he came back and I saw him rolling the hose back up next to my house. And so I thought, okay, this, I had veered away from what I told people I believe in. So here's where I do the hard work to bring things back into alignment. So I got up and I walked outside and I extended my hand and I said, dude, I'm sorry. Like it's, who cares? It's a hose. You can use it whenever you want. And we shook hands and we both felt better about it. Right. I mean, I didn't embezzle millions of dollars from a company. I didn't do anything that really hurt anybody in the long run, but it's this little, these little veers away from our values and beliefs that are a breach of honesty. So, and these things happen day after day after day all the time, and we have to be aware of those. So that's the, that's the, the honesty piece. Honesty can require difficult conversations, but constructive feedback is the foundation for growth. When I think of the, the best friends that I have, they don't hesitate. When I do something that is a boneheaded thing that I shouldn't have done, they will tell me, they will hold me accountable for that. And it's the depth of our relationship that allows them to do that. So it's almost paradoxical to me that when we're nice kind of on the surface, we have a hard time keeping people accountable. But when we genuinely have that true friendship and trust where we know we can say the hard thing, then the accountability comes in. Then we can we can help each other grow in ways that we might not be able to otherwise because we're we're willing to go to those tough places to have those tough conversations that lead to that growth and that progress. While honesty opens the door for accountability, it's only the first step. Because people will only speak if they think you're willing to listen. That's where humility comes in. Nobody wants to give a leader feedback. Nobody is going to tell a leader generally what's going wrong with the organization. And so often the perspective of a leader is, oh my gosh, our culture is great. People love it here because they're not hearing any different. But the ability to be humble and open and willing to listen, even if that your perspective is completely different, just to listen and ask more questions and get more curious about what that person is experiencing. And you might not change your mind at all, 
but at least to help that person to feel heard and not to to put up the wall and immediately put blame and uh, accountability back on them. Humility is an interesting one because to me there are two parts to humility. And we we often focus on, you know, admitting mistakes, having a growth mindset, being willing to ask for help, like all those things where we recognize that we can't do something alone. And so, you know, we put ourselves in that sort of vulnerable position. And that is 100% wonderful. And it's only half of humility. The other half of humility is how do we, especially in a leadership position, have what I call humble confidence. Leaders have access to resources that others don't have. They have a position of authority that others don't have. They have experience, education, more money, you know, all of these things that others don't have. And because hubris and ego are things that are so looked down upon in a leader, we tend to default to the other extreme and don't acknowledge that we have those things because we don't want to seem like I'm full of myself and look at all this stuff I have. So humble confidence is when we can look at all those things that we have the experience, the access to resources, the education, all those things. And we say, look at all this stuff I have and how can I share it? How can I use it to benefit the people around me? How do I use it to lift up my team? Company culture isn't dictated by one person, but humble leaders acknowledge that greater influence means greater responsibility in setting the tone. It is everyone's responsibility. And that's one of the things I really stress to the the folks that I talk to, because it's so easy if you're brand new with a company or if you're an individual contributor, you don't have a a position of authority. It's really easy to just fold your arms and say, well, nothing I can do about it. So until they fix the culture, I'm stuck. Right. And so that is absolutely not the way it works. That said, a person with a, a position of leadership, a position of authority has greater responsibility to set the tone. If you think of a leader, the word means you are in front, you go first, you model the behavior. And again, it's a balance, right? It's not about throwing away all of the numbers and the metrics. It's about how do we keep an appropriate focus on that while also uh, leading in terms of empathy, of listening, of asking for and rewarding feedback. All of these things um, help to increase that level of trust and, and relationship and, and, and connection on a, on a team. And it is the leader's responsibility to go first. When we see our leaders modeling that, when we see our leaders admit a mistake, apologize, ask for help, so often that is seen as, as weakness, but it's not. It takes incredible strength to say, to not, and again, there's, there's a balance here, right? The idea is not for a leader to say, you guys, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I, you know, I, I need you to help me. That's not the point. The idea is, hey, we're up against some pretty hard, you know, a pretty hard challenge here. I have a few ideas, but I know I don't have everything. I, I want your input. I want your feedback so we can get through this together. It's like, that's what I'm talking about when asking for help or admitting a mistake. The last piece is the simplest and the most important. The humanity part, we've talked about the word a lot, but the way that I define it specifically is when we have a genuine care for the human experience of the people around us. So how do we help people feel seen and heard? How do we help them know that they are valued and valuable? How do we help them to understand that we see beyond their job title, their role, their tenure, you know, all these things, how do we see the human inside people and help pull that out so that the, the best version of themselves can show up to work? And, and we hear the term, how do I get the best out of my people? Well, 
we should think about it a little different way. We should think about it as how do I help my people show up as the best version of themselves? It's not for me, it's for them, right? And when I pull that out of them, they will naturally bring their talents, their gifts, their passion, their discretionary effort. And what I need from them will naturally increase. We've moved to people working from home. Is this equally applicable to the non-office setting? Oh, it is so much more important. In the office, we have more sort of impromptu opportunities, especially for humanity, right? But when we're remote, everybody who we talk to, it's, it's usually a meeting on our, on our calendar. So, you know, just a simple thing that a leader with a remote team can do is send individually, send people on your team, just a quick text message that says, hey, when they pop into your head, hey, I was just thinking about you, hope you're doing well, just wanted to say hello. I call them unscheduled bursts of humanity, right? These little things where you're not on the schedule and I didn't have to think of you, but I did because I actually genuinely care about you. Those little things mean so much. When honesty, humility, and humanity are in place, incredible things happen. So in the middle of all of those, and we are intentional about practicing honesty, humility, and humanity, trust, connection, and psychological safety are the natural result. If you think about the leaders where you have felt the most trust and connection in their presence and on their teams, my guess is that they have those attributes of honesty, humility, and humanity. That's what builds trust and connection and psychological safety in the workplace. What can help leaders bring these qualities to work? What are some things they can think about that'll help them bring these qualities to work? I think first of all is awareness and being patient with ourselves. I genuinely believe that we all have these things inside us at some, to some degree. Maybe some of us have buried them a little bit deeper than others just because of, you know, the environments we worked in or the experiences that we've had, trauma we've suffered as, you know, in our youth or whatever it is. So I think just first, before you try to do anything, just be aware of these things and notice throughout the day through, you know, journaling, through a reflection at the end of the day, however you want to do it, to review your day, your actions, how you talk to people, how you interacted with people, and just quickly ask, did I show up in alignment with what I tell people I believe in, what I stand for? Was I humble in the fact that I asked for help, that I recognized the mistakes that I made, that I approached it with a learning mindset and or... Was I confident in my gifts and what I have and how I can use those to, to share with others? Did I see the people around me or did I just sort of brush them off and get what I needed from them and not care about anything else in their lives? Like we can very easily start becoming aware of this and then pick one thing that you want to start to change. Because what often happens is we, we try to do everything, we get overwhelmed, we can't do it all. And we just, we're like, ah, it's a nice idea, but I don't have time. So do one thing. The good news is, you don't have to be perfect. Again, approach work from a, in a professional way and at the same time, show empathy, show compassion, show your human side. But to have a good mix of both, it is really hard and we're going to screw it up. But I think as human beings, we, we crave that connection. We crave that trust. And so we'll be very forgiving of a leader who tries. We, if we can tell that their heart is in the right place, even though the execution might not be exactly perfect, we appreciate that they tried. We appreciate that they're trying to deepen that trust and that connection, and we'll give them grace for doing it. Even better, it seems that David's message is quickly taking hold across the economy. Sort of prompted by the pandemic, I think we're seeing a, a shift now in humanity where organizations are realizing we can't just sweep 
the feelings and the emotions and the hurt that people are having and the situations that they're having outside of work, we can't sweep those under the rug anymore and just point to the numbers. And so I think there are a lot of things that get in the way. I mean, human beings are messy. That's never going to change. But one of the things that leaders have had to do to a, a much greater degree in the last few years since the pandemic, they're almost being forced to get a little bit more personal with their people. They can't just default to the numbers, especially with you know a remote workforce where you're talking to somebody in their bedroom, like that's where they sleep. You can't separate their home life from their work life anymore. I mean, you know, we look at the baby boomer generation where you started with a company, you stayed there 30 years, you retired and got your gold watch. Like that was a very different mindset, but not because we at that time, the human beings didn't care to feel trust and connection. We still did. It was just not the norm. It was the, not the system that we were placed in out of college when we got a job. Now it's very different. So I think organizations are, are being a little bit more open to the idea of humanity, of empathy, of compassion in an organization. And it doesn't have to be a huge initiative or a project, or it doesn't have to have a you know, fancy marketing around it. It's just like you said before, just showing up as a person, you know, just showing people that you're there, that you care about them. And every time you reach out, it's not because you're asking them for something. It's genuinely just because you want to see how they're doing. So, I mean, it's pretty fundamental. I mean, this is maybe just people acting like, like people instead of trying to act like a boss. It's not rocket science. One of my coworkers always uses the term that simplicity is the greatest form of sophistication. And I think here, this is something that's a very sophisticated way of thinking about the workplace. And yet it's simple as well. Right. This is a simple concept, but not necessarily easy. Because it requires us to change often parts of who we are and how we show up and the way we've done things for years and years and years and years. And, and we, we always tend to go back to the things that are simplest. But like I said before, pick one thing and make it as easy on yourself as you can. And just recognize that this is, this is not something, an initiative you're going to try for three months and then all of a sudden everything's going to change. This is a lifelong pursuit. It's easy to lose track of humanity in the workplace. Unfortunately, there's no PL statement for honesty or Q4 humility review. But we all know a great team when we're on one. A leader who can create trust and connection is worth their weight in gold. So, if you want to bring humanity back to the workplace, remember David's three traits honesty, ensure your actions align with your values, reflect often, and correct yourself when you stray from the path. Humility, Acknowledge your shortcomings and your strengths. Use what you have to help others thrive. And most of all, humanity. Look beyond job titles and take care of the humans around you. It's simple, even if it's not easy. Something that's simple and easy is talking to David Mead. I'd like to thank him for his time and his commitment to making business better for everyone. Do you want to hear more In Good Companies? Of course you do. Rate and review the show so we can bring you more episodes and even bigger guests. It only takes a second. So pause the podcast and do it right now. I'll wait. Still waiting. I haven't got all day here, guys. Let's go. In Good Companies is a podcast from Cadence Bank. Member FDIC, Equal Opportunity Lender. Our production team is Sheena Cochran, Edie Pingeli, and Natalie Barron. Our executive producer is Danielle Cornell. This podcast is made in collaboration with the team at Lower Street. Writing and production from Andrew Gannam and Lise Lavati. Sound design and mixing by Ben Cranell.
This podcast is provided as a free service to you and is for general informational purposes only. Cadence Bank and its affiliates make no representation or warranties as to the accuracy, completeness, or timeliness of the content in the podcast. The podcast is not intended to provide legal, accounting, or tax advice and should not be relied upon for such purposes. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guests in this podcast are solely their own current opinions regarding the subject matters discussed in the podcast and are based on their own perspectives. Such views, perspectives, and opinions do not reflect those of Cadence Bank or any of its affiliates or the companies in which any guest is or may be affiliated. The production and presentation of this podcast by Cadence Bank does not imply the expression of any opinion on part of Cadence Bank or any of its affiliates.